hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershon. Oh, yes. Once again, I am Mark Hershon, and this is Happy 59 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. So many podcasts, so little time. This episode, we'll be paying visits to some old friends. You know, I've been playing a lot of clips from new shows, new in both the sense that they just started podcasting, and some new in the sense that I was just getting around to them, even though they've been online for a while. Coming up this show, I have an interview with Michael Meehan, who is a San Francisco-based comedian, actor, and now movie maker. I talked to Mike about Hey Monster, Hands Off My City his feature-length comedy that he's directing, and has an Indiegogo campaign for to help foot the bill. Speaking of Bill, we'll have another Boozin' with Bill segment coming up, a burst o durst, and a handful of clips, as I said, from some old pals. Right from the top, I have got to get to my mention of your Chill Pack Hollywood Hour with Dean Haglin and Phil Lairness, because we won! That's right, in our months-long back-and-forth of mentioning and clipping each other's shows that started with me getting the anniversary of their podcasting debut wrong, they've dropped the ball. And yes, while it was due to extenuating circumstances, the rules are the rules. Dean had to go out of town unexpectedly due to a family thing, and I understand that, but still, uh, there weren't any actual rules anyway, but still, we... We won. That's the way I see it. Okay? It wasn't official competition, but we won. Anyway, I had a conversation with Phil about it just last night, but it went kind of long, and we've already got a long show, so I'm going to release a special edition Epi 59.5 in just a few days that will pretty much just be my chat with Phil Ernest and maybe a few other things. I haven't had room to put in some of the uh, more recent shows. This is your friend in podcasting, Phil Lairness of your Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, and I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, pass the succotash. It's the Comedy Podcast Podcast. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. I have really become enamored of our 10 most active in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List, if only because it's exposing me to even more podcasts I've never even heard of before. Thanks once again to Ed Wallach of the Don't Quit Your Daycast podcast for the idea of doing this. Here's what happened this week. At 37, the Onion Radio News is up 28 places. At 38, Smodcast, F-E-A-B, or FEEB, is up 78 places. At number 50, the Dana Gould Hour is up 54 places. At 55, the Naughty Show has gone up 19 places. At 62, about last night, up 37 places. Those are all up. It's so good. Everything's going up. At 67, Yoshi didn't podcast, down 28. Sorry. Uh, At 68, Jim Florentine's Mental Comedy Midgets is up 24 spots. At 81, the Tenderloins podcast is up 38. At 83, Dining with Doug and Karen, up 49 places. And uh, finally, uh, of the top 10 with the most movement, at 94, the Dead Authors Podcast, down 22. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. 
Let's just jump right into the clippage, shall we? Tiny Odd Conversations with Travis and Brandy Clark just hit their 100th episode. There was a time about 50 or 60 eppies ago when they were ready to hang it up for fear they had nothing left to say. Obviously, they found some new stuff to talk about. I've had several opportunities to meet up and hang out with them, and they are a delight, as you may be able to glean from this exchange clipped from Tiny Odd Conversations, episode 100. One of the things that I think make us a successful couple and that we have things in common and we genuinely like spending time with one another, um, you're semi-nodding. I'm assuming you agree with that. Yes. I just realized right off the bat, I'm like, oh, maybe that's only from my point of view. <laughs> maybe Brandy does not feel that. Maybe Brandy's like, oh, no, I, I put up with you. That's what I do. I don't know if I enjoy it. I've just gotten used to it. It's cool. just something I've won like, oh, this is my life now. Now, now you're going to place that I never even said. No, I didn't say anything. If you could see the look on your face where you're like, mm, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make the sound of what the the, the look oh, you gave me was. Please, that mm. <laughs> <laughs> was pretty much the look you gave me. Like, I guess so. Maybe I, guess. I was just waiting to interject something, yeah, and it's, it's I wasn't like, the right time. It's like CrossFit. You're like, yeah, my body can do this now. I don't really love it, but it's you know, it's something I can do. It's I wasn't, possible. I wasn't thinking anything of the sort. I was thinking, you know, this guy's right. We do have a pretty great, for the most part. <laughs> no, that sounds like see, shit. already right there. You're already putting exceptions no, to the rule no, for the most over. part. For the, no, 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 staying in episode one the truth finally comes out no but that's not fair because like no, i can't fine. say stuff yes right. you can say stuff right but it's it... just just sometimes the truth is a little harder to swallow look brandy a hundred of these sometimes we're gonna say shit that is honest that's just how this works there's a lot of time to fill in a hundred hours but uh, no look i know ultimately you like me to a degree, to a certain degree. Actually, we'll get into how much you like me in the next segment because that's fucking fantastic. But this is also pretty amazing. Our, a little, another uh, peg in our Lincoln Log Fortress of Love. <laughs> Lincoln Logs, they don't use pegs. There's legs. They're logs, right? Logs? They're, they're, they're logs and they had... <laughs> the Lincoln they... legs. I said Lincoln legs for a second. Lincoln legs did not catch on as well as Lincoln Logs. <laughs> a lot of kids did not want to use the severed legs of our president to uh, to make toys. That was not... I wish that had caught on more. Lincoln logs had rooftops to put on your log cabin things because i remember building a one giant tall one with a red hat and it was like a red hat <laughs> did you just say it had a red hat but yeah it had that red hat you built something with a, a building with a red hat that's how you view a roof is a hat <laughs> yeah everybody roofs very- <laughs> roofs are just building hats people know that <laughs> That's just a chapeau that a building likes to wear. That is uh, that's what a roof is. <laughs> well, I made mine very tall and it was fort like so people could like, you know, pew pew like out the top of it. I don't know what that means. What does pew pew mean? You could shoot out of it. Like I took the the weevil people and and I, and I stuck them in my Lincoln log fort. With Do you know the how dirty hat. that sounds? I took the weevils and I stuck them in my Lincoln log fort. Oh, I don't. I mean, you you uh, you were an adventurous young child. I don't know if I'd have done that at that age. This is Travis Clark and Brandy Clark from Tiny, Tiny Odd Conversations. Conversations, and you're listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Well done. Tons more Travis and Brandy to be had at tocpod. 
iTunes.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and even on YouTube. This next podcast host I've not had the pleasure of meeting personally, but we have cross-tweeted a lot, and we've clipped his show before, Dylan Brody's Neighbor's Couch. Uh, yeah, you've heard him before if you've been listening to Sakatash. Darren Staley, the host, is a nice guy. Dylan Brody even told me that himself. And the audio quality on his show has gotten way better since he first started putting voice to mic. Here's part of his chat with writer and producer of Everyone Loves Raymond and a bunch of other stuff, Lou Schneider. Tell your Alzheimer's story. Well, I'm not afraid of it anymore. Okay. My mom has Alzheimer's. Um, not 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 too terrible at this point, so it's it, we're still in the funny stage. So. Right. First of the, all, the, 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 she has the funny Alzheimer's. Is she what does. Say. She has the funny. Not, not, she, not, the, not the sad, debilitating disease. No, the funny not, no. Anyway, she, she, she has the kind that you get better from. I, I'm sure. Okay. She's going to be fine. <laughs> right. Anyway, okay. so, yeah, so I'm sure she's probably cured already. I should probably call her. Um, anyway, she said to me, first of all, she says, um, first of all, she's, she's still asking, how's everybody loves Raymond? I'm like, still good. She goes, I watched it the other day. It's great. I'm like, yep. It's in syndication. Syndication is perfect for people with Alzheimer's, by the way. They don't realize they've seen right. the show 180 times. So anyway, she said to me, um, first of all, she, 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 um, she says, oh, that's such a funny – she goes, I'm sorry I have this. This is so terrible that I have this. And, and I said, well, my, you know, just, you know, there's nothing you can do about it, but your attitude is great. And she says, oh, I guess it's better than the alternative. And I said, what's the alternative? She says, cancer. And I say, well, how do we know? We haven't tried. Give that a try. But <laughs> so, so that's terrible. All right, so if there's anybody still watching, yeah. but my mother calls me up the other day, and she said, I want you to know there's a new man in my life. And I'm like, what? Really? And she'd kind of been seeing this, this guy for a while, and she, and I, but that was over a long time ago, uh, after my father died. I said, a new man in your life? She said, yep, he's a very nice man, although he went to Harvard, a little rah, 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 sis-boom, bah, if you ask me. I'm like, well, that's okay, ma, so he's got some school spirit, whatever. <laughs> so she's, well, yes, and, but he's very nice, he's very attentive, and I really do enjoy spending time with him. And so then I said, really, what's his name? And she goes, oh, darn it, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so then she's going to help me. She says, well, it's one of those American names. I'm like, oh. Yeah. I go, okay, so now I'm stupid enough because she's my mommy, so I'm like, going, okay, is it Bill? Is it Bob? Is it Jim? Is it Tom? Is it Rich? Is it Don? Yeah. You know, I, and, and I'm guessing Ray had the best joke about this. I go, I told Ray this story, and he goes, no, I thought you were going to say, is it John? No. Is it John? Yes. So, so, <laughs> oh, 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 my God. Why? Why? So it was just... So, anyways, we finally figured out. I never would get it, by the way. She finally told me later. It, it's Mason. And I think she said it was an American yeah. name because of the Freemasons. I think that's where she came up with it. But ah. I, don't, I don't know. But, anyway, so that's, that's the one Alzheimer's story. And the only reason I did it to you on a podcast is I figured no one's listening. Exactly. I could try. But I don't know if no one's listening. I took Bobby Slayton's word for it. When he was on the show, he kept insisting that no one's listening to this. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I don't yeah. I, 14 people, he said. And, and then he. And then, and then he asked, he said, you know, and I, I think I said 24. He said, if you're going to make shit up, make up a bigger number right, than that's 24. That's true. I did say that at the end of the show. I did listen to Bobby Slayton. <laughs> Who so. was great, by the way, even though he, he seemed to be totally miserable. But I had a oh, great time. I love that. Bobby Slayton, half the yeah. show was, I love this guy. I love this guy. You know, he'd say, I, I love him. He'd say, no, 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 listen, I love, I love, I love, I love. And then he just would shit on the guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
love that guy. As long as you bless the guy a million times, you can shit all over. Host Darren Staley is known better as at Crobama on Twitter. His home site is Dylan Brody's Neighbors Couch.com. The show can be heard on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and also America's Comedy.com network. After I got my t-shirt and a nice note from Tommy Royal and Angus Doodle over at the Royal and Doodle podcast, I mentioned that I should play a clip from their show, which we had not visited for a while. To my surprise, they hadn't done a show for a while, since last March, actually. But never fear, they're still around and finally dropped their show 59 just a few days ago. Turns out they've been really busy. I understand that entirely, believe me. Tommy thought that he should catch Angus up on what he'd been missing while they'd been off the pod. Things of note that have happened, I've made a list because you went mm, mm. fucking missing mm. on mm. <laughs> anywhere. Mm. Not just social networks, you went missing completely. You know, it's something I can... The man that has been helping people, police with investigations <laughs> of Operation U-Tree... <laughs> We said we weren't going to talk Digging about Digging up the this. grave of Jimmy Savile and sucking his <laughs> cock once again. This time not forced. <laughs> I enjoyed my time on Top of the Pops. <laughs> I was but on... By on Top of the Pops, you were riding Grandad, yeah? Yeah, on Top of Pops, that's <laughs> what I said. Yeah. Um, he was quite old. Uh, no, so, no, I have, no, I've been a bit, um, a bit off radar, so to speak. But I've been doing nothing... I mean, doing nothing in a podcasty kind of well, way. Well, I made notes so I could catch you up on all the recent news. Mm. Literally, like two months worth of catch up. Catch up. That's it. Highlight bullet points. Cyprus got financial bailout. Did you see that in the news? No. Rolf Harris was arrested after we called him a national treasure. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Whoops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appeared on the Inverse Delirium podcast. Ooh. Margaret Thatcher died. Mm. Jeff Hanneman, the Slayer guitarist, died. Oh. Liver failure, as all good rockers I should felt, die. Do you know, I felt really sorry for him because everyone kind of didn't really, you know, unless you were a hardcore Slayer fan, every, everyone knew the other guitarist. And when you went, the guitarist from Slayer died, they'd go, what, such and such, because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> everyone knew the other geezer. One apart from me, apparently. And they go, no, that wasn't his name. They went, oh, the other guy. I'm like, okay, yeah. No. Um, so, yeah, but uh, Foon pointed that out to us, that he mm. died. That's where I saw it first. And well, the, Foon pointed out to me that Margaret Thatcher died. That's where I first saw it. Yeah, that was a shame, really, that Foon pointed it out, mm. not, that, not that she died. I've got nothing against Margaret Thatcher, to be honest with you. <laughs> but me. you've got something against Foon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Foon ruined this country. <laughs> Bloody hell, miners will never forgive Foon. <laughs> ever, ever. They see him now, they go, they're spending £10 million on... On her funeral. On her funeral. In fact, on her funeral. <laughs> will they have a funeral? Yeah, if they yeah. ever die, will they have a funeral? <laughs> Don't know. They haven't got a sump pump. Oh, no. He's not flooded again, has uh, he? Apparently. Yeah. Why don't he just build a swimming pool down there and be done with it? <laughs> Why does it keep flooding? Does anybody know? Yeah, Rob, know. Rob obviously doesn't know. Because he keeps building the studio. It's like you think he'd learn. It's like Field of Dreams, isn't it? It's like, build the studio and it will come. Oh, it's back. <laughs> Little did they realise he meant rain. <laughs> Go on, yes. Yeah, so what else have I missed? Well, I haven't missed any of stuff. We haven't just, yeah, it's just, we just bullet points to catch up on the news. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ken Barlow. That's topical, wasn't it? Ken Barlow was arrested. <laughs> Everyone tunes into this show to catch up on the last three months' worth of news. Yeah. Ken Barlow was arrested. Yeah. 
I called that one a while back, actually. I appeared on the bit of sound. Who hasn't? So you've been on quite a few, despite my lack of podcasting availability. You've obviously been uh, carrying on the, the yeah, podcasting. A little yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Wesley Snipes was released from prison. I didn't even know he was in prison. Yeah, tax fraud. I thought he got out. I sent 12 text messages didn't to Tommy Rule that didn't get a reply. Didn't they let him out to be Blade? Wasn't that? No, to be black. Demolition Man. To be black. Demolition Man. <laughs> black. Don't get me started. <laughs> He's a blacken. <laughs> Chris Kelly from Criss Cross died. I never. Do you know what? I never. The only thing I know about Criss Cross is they wore their trousers back. The they front. were there to make you jump, jump if you didn't listen to the pump, pump. Uh, you. What, what is anyway, that? yeah. Is, is that factual or are you just? I appeared on the anti semantic show. Did you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. How? In in voice format only oh. as an impersonation. I was going to say, fuckers. Alex yeah. Ferguson retired. Yeah. Uh, I thought he'd retired ages ago. This one might upset you. Oh. G, quit podcasting. Oh. Again. It has uh, been two months. <laughs> oh, has he not done anything? No, he's, no, he's back on. Mm. No, he's back. I was no. going to say. No, he quit again. Is he released in, releasing old new stuff? Or new, no, new, 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 new stuff, stuff yeah. 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 New, new stuff. And the final point. <laughs> he in. said new, new. <laughs> <laughs> final news point. Charlie Finnegan has ensured he shall from now on only be referred to on this podcast as the poor man Shane Dor or Dick for punishment as being a dick to me on the Xbox. Oh, he's sorry. been sending me abusive messages. Dick. Yes. So he's no longer platinum listener now. He's no. Just dick. Yes. Okay. Oh, poor old Charlie Hines Finnegan. Dick. Is Hines his real dick. name? Dick. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie. Dick. Stop calling him the wrong name. Dick Finnegan. That's <laughs> that. Yeah. Find all their episodes at royalanddoodle.com. You can also find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube as well. Now, last episode, I mentioned that I would clip Dazed and Convicted by friend of Succotash, Monica Hamburg, and so we shall. Some of you may remember that Monica's show used to be called The S&M Rants, but she's altered the format a bit and has changed the name accordingly, and the show's been doing great. She and co-host Bill Allman podcast out of Canada, where they bring up some freakish crime stories, do some sketches around them, and then bring in a comedian to help determine their fucktard of the week. Here's a sample from a recent episode where the crime story focused on an acupunctural music teacher. Atlanta. An unlicensed acupuncturist. The best kind. <laughs> yeah. Unlicensed gynecologist. <laughs> uh, that'd be me. You're good at it, though. Yeah, I, I practice. An unlicensed acupuncturist is facing charges after reportedly infecting 16 people with HIV through his illegal practice. The suspect, 53-year-old Maurice Goler of Switzerland, was also a music teacher. Sure, I'm a music teacher, but I also dabble in acupuncture. And I'm Swiss. I have a real passion for stabbing people with infected needles. I think it has something to do with teaching kids music. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't stab them with bayonets. On the site, it actually has, for more trusted health news and information, visit CBS Atlanta. So, like, <laughs> don't let your music teacher prick your face with needles? Is that the kind of advice you'd go for? In Atlanta, yes. I think that's probably the best medical advice you can give. Because they're taking it out of their well, yeah, the needles? Exactly. Their well of AIDS-infected blood. Because <laughs> that's what they write, you know, letters with in Atlanta. In that's really? Place. Like, instead of quill and ink, it's AIDS-infected needles totally. and a well of blood? Everybody knows that. I seriously, I love the idea of the music teacher moonlighting as an acupuncturist. Letting someone stick needles in your face well, when it's I, not their profession. It's, honestly, it's just, it's out of the question for me. I don't care how qualified they are. Yeah, I mean, I actually have gone for acupuncture sessions. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, no. 
but they've been people that do that full time. Because <laughs> I'm kind of picky with people shoving needles into me. Funny how you're picky about the needles, but not... Anyways, let's carry on. Hmm. He was recently seen before a five-judge panel of judges. Oh, okay. What? Well, Which that would is be good. good. Yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> I'd hate for him to be in front of a five-judge panel of fucking acupuncturists. Yeah, I was thinking a five-judge <laughs> panel of orangutans. <laughs> All right, so he was recently seen before, apparently, a five-judge panel of judges in the Burn Midland Regional Court in relation to the incidents that are said to have affected the victims, all of which occurred between 2001 and 2005. A prosecutor working on the case allegedly learned that Goller solicited most of his victims from his pool of music students. You, the one who always sings flat, come over at eight. <laughs> I have a needle that will work your pitch up. The operation began to crumble in 2005, when a former patient of his named Thomas Kaiser, this poor bastard, he gets AIDS from his music teacher's infected needles, and then his name is also in the paper. Yeah, he's not getting a lot of dates, guessing. No, and, and also it seems like he's almost admitting he's a virgin, so it doesn't really help things. <laughs> because he told doctors that only Goler's acupuncture could have infected him when he learned of his HIV-positive status. I don't do drugs, I don't have unprotected sex... You know, the only thing I can think of is when my music teacher used those needles he and his friends sanitized by ejaculating on. Oh. I, I just like to think of him taking a needle from a medical waste bin. Medical waste, it's just a waste. Just grabbing them. <laughs> it's because in Switzerland they throw their uh, their discarded sharps into a blue box instead of a yellow one like here. Oh, so they just think it's recycling That's sometimes? Right, yeah. They're like, yeah, I could use this again. Exactly. That's a perfectly <laughs> good needle. Why did someone throw it away? It's like on condoms. It actually says, do not use... Again. It says that? It says that. Oh, Be fuck. Because I guess when people... <laughs> so now go get yourself some of that fun at dazedandconvicted.com, iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and also through the Pod Awful Channel collection of comedy podcasts. Now, without further ado, it's time for... Boozing with Bill. Well, there's the Jingle Singers. Here I am at the wet bar and no Bill Haywatt. Great. Oh, hold on. Bill, is that you? Oh, hello, Bill. Hello, Mark. There I'm you are. Sorry, it's a little unavoidably. I was a little unavoidably. I'm sorry. <laughs> I talk for a living. I was unavoidably detained. I'm very happy to be with you here at the wet bar. I see. Are you, and, uh, uh, are you tired? You seem a little oh, tired. Oh, I'm very tired and very under the weather. It was very late night last night. Uh, I was uh, okay. talking with some old friends, some old friends from the golden age of radio. Live ones this time or, <laughs> or passed on ones? Don't insult me, Mark. I'm please. just saying. You've had, I, so, you've you know, had some episodes. I don't talk to invisible people anymore, period. <laughs> now, I have a drink for you. Excellent. That is keeping with the summer coming as oh, a summer is a coming theme. You know, since time immemorial, elected officials and, and men of state, heads of women of state, have, have, have gotten in trouble sexually. They've done things they should not have done. And, 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 I, and I think that this is a horrible, horrible thing. I agree. I just, it's just, it's just, you can't trust these people anymore. <laughs> but I have made up a drink ah. to commemorate a great man Elliot Spitzer. Ah. <laughs> Elliot Spitzer. I've made a drink for the former governor of New York and the former attorney general of we New York. We don't actually have and to wait a, for the name of and this he's drink, a Elliot do we? Spitzer. The, I'm going to make an Elliot Spitzer, Spitzer for you. Okay. And here's how it goes. <laughs> I'm going to start off with something very, very simple. Okay. I'm going to start off with a half a cup 
of yes, he's digging in the, in the fridge. Refrigerator yeah. here. <laughs> We're gonna start off with cranberry juice. Ah, you know good. why? Uh, you have a bladder it's good for your bladder. Yes, yeah. that's right. No, my bladder's fine now. But we're going to start off with a half a cup of cranberry juice. And I'd like to tell our listeners, not just any cranberry juice, mind you. It is Trader Joe's 100% cranberry juice, not from concentrate. And with Trader Joe, of course, there's no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. I we at Succotash love Trader Joe's. I wish, yeah. I'll tell you, we love Trader Joe's so much. I'm and right. all the other, I wish we got product placement money from all the plugs you get. Hell yeah. Well, you, must have some, you must have some deal on we're the We're going to get it retroactively. Maybe. So now we've got that. Half a cup of cranberry juice. Half a cup of cranberry juice. And then we're going to, we're going to put a cup and a half of ginger beer. Okay. And not just any ginger beer. No. In memory of Ellis Spitzer, we're going to cut ginger cock and bull oh. ginger beer. Perfect. Yes. There we go. This Perfect. is not going to. No, no accidents. No accidents here. So we're going to get, ultimately, it's, it's a, oh, I have to look at it this way. It's a half a cup of uh, cranberry, Trader Joe's cranberry juice, and a cup and a half of cock and bull ginger beer. Is that the whole bottle we're No, it's just there? a cup and a half. There we go. That, that's all. whole it bottle. It is about a cup and a half, isn't it? That's the whole bottle. Okay. All right. Cock that's and bull. That's good. Yes. And now, for my next trick. <laughs> so we're going to put in two shots of vodka. Ah, okay. And uh, since there's no product placement here, we don't need to mention the vodka this time around. Okay, all right. But we're going to put in two shots of it. You can use any vodka you like, or as long as it's good vodka. We don't want any shit-ass vodka going down. No, there. no, no. We save that to drink straight. That's right. Wait, what? Okay, then we put that in there. <clears throat> yeah. It's going very now, well so far. So far, no accidents. All right, we're, we're going to switch down places down here. here. Yes, we are. This and is then, a very extensive wet bar. I should yeah, take a you got a little of bit of everything. Yeah, this is like something Matt out. Helm would have used yes, back in the 60s. Matt Helm. And so then we're going to put in a jigger of triple sec. Triple sec, okay. Yes. And, uh, so what little, exactly is triple sec? Well, not just any triple sec. No, this must this be Kuiper's. This is uh, De Kuiper's. It's the brand Bartender's Trust. But what is triple sec? Triple sec is an orange liqueur. Okay. And right. it's, uh, it's, it's an orange liqueur because it's made with orange. And we don't just use singular double sec. We, we use, use triple, triple, triple sec. Triple sec here. And, and we're going to put that in there too. triple sec. Jigger triple sec. And, um, and we're going to... Uh, since it's a, it a, looks refreshing. It is very refreshing. It's a summer drink, so we're gonna put ice in the glass. Now, if and, we were really um, paying homage to Elliot Spitzer, we should we should actually tweet ourselves drinking. And you can this. do that oh, now. Dear. Now we're going to pour in the the the, the, mm -hmm. the delicious alcoholic goodness. Yeah, it looks here. very re very refreshing. Yes, it looks, but, it but, looks like a very normal. Yes, like, but beverage. now in honor of Elliot Spitzer, you need. The splooge. Oh, oh, dear God. You need to get uh, heavy whipping cream and an eyedropper. Oh, my God. And you need to put a splooge in each one of them. <laughs> Just, you know, and Didn't, look. Wasn't this go. called the Bill Clinton about now, here we go. There we go. Ago? Splooge that in there. And and yeah. oh. if you really want to go for it, you don't mix it. You just no, kind of let, let it hang let there. it sit there in all of its coagulating goodness. <laughs> oh, Not just any heavy whipping cream. Oh, you got Trader Joe's heavy whipping cream. You got cream. some on you there. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh I got to I'll never wash it. So this is this is the Elliot Spritzer. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> it's Elliot Cheers. Spritzer. Elliot Spritzer. Let's it's, go over the, it's the ingredients again. Half a cup of cranberry juice. Not yeah. oh, just any cranberry juice. Well, you heard that already. Yeah. They haven't paid me enough to mention it five times. And then the, the uh, ha cup and a half of cock and bull 
Ginger beer. Yes, beer. thank you very much. Two shots of any vodka you want. Yeah. And a jigger of triple sec. sec. And then you splooge on it. Splooge An eyedropper of heavy whipping cream. And uh, to, to your health there, Mr. Hershen. Mmm. Mmm. Yes. Wow. You can, it's this, really good, isn't it? This actually is, again. It's a very, very good drink. You, you've surprised me the last few times You can out. stir in that splooge if you want. Listen, my, I'm going to go back into the booth, and, okay, and I'm going to call up some of my friends from, from the broadcast legends, and I'm going to tell them that it actually <laughs> worked, okay. that, that no one was injured during the making of the Elliot <laughs> Spritzer. <laughs> Goodbye. See you, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, okay. Boozing with Bill. Friends, summer is just around the corner, so you might be thinking to yourself, gosh, it's time to get out the suntan lotion, rubber thongs, and good old Bermuda shorts. Stop right there, Pilgrim. Did you know that every time you slip on a pair of their shorts, the British Protectorate of Bermuda receives a two-cent royalty? That's right, which is why Henderson's Pants, a loyal and legal corporate entity of these United States since 1896, is introducing their Wake Island abbreviated trousers, roomy and comfortable like the Bermuda shorts you've come to love, but with the freedom that comes from knowing you won't be helping out the subjects of our former British oppressors. The stylish Wake Island abbreviated trousers are named for the unincorporated tiny landmass in the North Pacific, which is a legal U.S. protectorate. Now, when those hot, sticky days of summer hit, slip on a pair of Henderson's Wake Island abbreviated trousers and go for a stroll on the beach, around the pool, or through the mall. Feel free to wear briefs, boxers, or nothing at all under your new snazzy and 100% American abbreviated trousers because, as a U.S. citizen, you have the right to stow your junk any way you choose. Originally designed for the U.S. Department of Immigration, Trout Farmers, and Dark Seedy Theaters, that's Henderson's Wake Island abbreviated trousers, available wherever things you put your legs into are sold. And now back to more of Suckatash. Welcome to the Tweet Sack. That special time every episode where we dip into the Tweet Sack to see if anyone sent us anything of interest. Well, fresh out of the Tweet Sack is this tweet that Dunbin tweeted by 76th Street Network, where, incidentally, you can find a fine bunch of podcasts. 76th Street Network's twatted, I have a fever, and the only cure is more succotash. Excellent. The cure's on the way, boys. Next up, a bit of mail in the tweet sack. Email, that is, from James Franco Jr., also known as DJ Jam Master, the host of The Breaks, over on the Smodco Network. He says, here's a little drop I did for you. Hope you like it. Thanks for the time you gave me and my show on yours, James. Well, thank you, James. This is great, actually. Let's drop that drop. Yo, what up, B-Boys and B-Girls? It's your man, Jam Master James here. And if you're like me, every one of your friends has a podcast these days, and they're constantly asking you, did you listen to my show? What do you think of my show? Well, here's your cheat sheet. Here's your cliff notes for podcasts. Listen to the Succotash Comedy Podcast podcast with Mark Hershon. He'll let you know which ones are funny and which ones are not so funny. So listen to the Succotash Comedy Podcast podcast. Hey, thanks for that, DJ Jam Master. Make sure you catch uh, his show, The Breaks, over at the Smotco Network. 
This next thing isn't so much a tweet sack thing, but I'll do it here because there's nowhere else to put it. This week I reviewed the Todd Berry podcast again for This Week in Comedy Podcast over on Splitsider.com. I did it just a couple of weeks ago, but I really like his show. And on his epi number four, he interviews Janine Garofalo for like 80 minutes. It's a great in-depth interview. During it, she and Todd get into working the road and how you sometimes never know whether the local openers the promoters can stick you with are going to be good or just kind of suck. And Janine did a righteous shout-out to the guy who opened for her in Seattle and Portland recently, who turned out to be none other than Derek Sheen. Longtime Succotashians might remember Derek as one of the hosts for the now-defunct Delicious Mediocrity podcast, which we featured here a time or two in the past. So good going, Derek. Speaking of shout-outs, here are the Twitter handles of some folks that gave Succotash a little Twitter lovin' this past week. Todd Perry, Novice Greg, Mary Lesnick, Jabs D-Head Factor, Craig Shoemaker, Nikki, Nug Nargang, Radio Fubar, The One With Podcast, The Angry Ginger, Tyson Saner, Fueled by Octane, Storyworthy, James Ruatolo, Patrick Likes to Tweet, Susan Giacetta, Audio Lizen, Anti-Semantic Show, The Rigid Fist, Downtown B&B, Heather Ankeny, and Robert Crumb. And we would be remiss if we didn't give a special thank you and mention to all of those folks who are kind and generous enough to click on the donate button over at SuckatashShow.com and throw us a few simoleons to offset our expenses. Was that everybody? Yes, I think it was. Hi, this is Rick Overton of the Overview Podcast on iTunes, and you're listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. So this past week, I got to sit down with an old comedy buddy in San Francisco for dinner at a noisy Chinese restaurant in the Marina District. It was there that Michael Meehan and I realized that although we've known each other for at least 20 years, and maybe 30, that we'd never actually sat down and had a real conversation, other than the usual backstage murmurings of comics and promoters passing in the night. The purpose for our sit-down this time was to talk about Mike's feature-length comedy movie he's producing called Hey Monster, Hands Off My City. Apologies for the restaurant noise in this interview. We would have done the interview somewhere quiet, but we felt the need to feed. Well, Michael and I, our, our history goes back quite a ways because um, we've both been involved in uh, San Francisco comedy. Sort of different halves of the equation, really. Uh, myself as a booker for a lot of years and then as an improviser. Michael as a stand-up and a sketch performer? A little bit of sketch. Uh, the stuff I, you did with your brothers? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. My uh, two brothers, we were a sketch group for about 10 years. Yeah. And you're an actor. Doing some of that as well, yes. Um, and uh, as I was just mentioning to Michael, I want to have him on for a, uh, a longer interview uh, for, a, for a whole show. But uh, right now he's in the middle of an Indiegogo campaign for a movie that he is making himself. So I wanted to make sure we got this uh, downloaded and uploaded and to where people can hear it so they can actually do you some good. Well, that'd be awesome. Um, I am doing a movie, uh, Hey Monster, Hands Off My City, based on a one-man show I did and now, of course, the cast of thousands. But um, I've got an Indiegogo campaign and uh, put that up and... Uh, Getting some dough in, and really, uh, it's been awesome how people have helped out. Uh, and um, it's so much fun working with so many comedians in San Francisco, too. I realized, you know, um, 
I have the perfect set San Francisco and uh, I have so much talent who not only are very talented people but I know them they're close friends and they're like yeah sure I want to jump in and do this so that makes it easy so let's talk a little bit about the genesis of the project how did uh, how did the play get started uh, the play actually got started um, I bought a like a cowardly lion wig at a garage sale for three dollars and so then I was goofing around with that and then I started thinking about a one-man I've always been thinking about a one-man show but I ended up doing a three-man show with my brothers or a one-man show with three men with my brothers so finally I uh, did it but I've always been a fan of uh, mysteries and uh, so I wrote sort of a goofy detective story who's looking for a monster uh, and it ends up that uh, he's actually the monster so uh, oh, okay. it was sort of a I'm I am a werewolf type of uh, oh that's fun realization but it was fun I played about eight characters and uh, I had met this great couple Brian and Julie McSweeney hmm. Novak and they played live music and composed this music for the show and so I did it at the San Francisco Fringe Festival in 2011 and that was a lot of fun, and uh, it was very exciting just to create something. Uh, and then I knew that just doing characters was okay, but to have music and theme music for each character really worked out well. So it was a fun project, and then that was uh, over, and I realized, oh, I want to do something more with this. So I started working on writing a screenplay uh, to film it. So it's a feature-length? It's a feature-length comedy. and. Um, I'm going to use some of the music that uh, Brian and Julie composed, as well as get a lot of other music. Yeah, you, you need more, I would assume. How, yeah. how long is the stage show? The stage show was about 55 minutes, and then uh, I've kept a lot of, I've kept some good pieces from that. Uh, but in the film, uh, I changed the detective to two detectives, and so I have Johnny Steele and Reggie Steele. Okay. And uh, they're very fun uh, to work with, and they, they, they pull it off magnificently. It's really fun <laughs> to have them as detectives. So uh, they've got the lion's share. They're the main characters. And then I'm just putting in characters left and right. Uh, my nephew, uh, James, plays the Boy Scout who's tracking the monster as well. And I play the hunter who's hunting the monster. And uh, my friend George Scott, who's an acrobat, who uh, is going to play the monster. But he he uh, can walk on four stilts. So he has oh, wow. arms and legs. So he's going to be like a big, large, uh, you know, eight or nine foot tall, four-legged hairy spider oh, very type cool. of monster. So it'll be... Uh, and then I have a lot of people that I know from the circus school as well as because I did trapeze there for 12 years and so I got acrobats I've got all the comedians and actors and then uh, so let me uh, let me ask you this then uh, you know when you were doing the one-man show I assume you were able to kind of tinker as you went and change things stuff that wasn't working on a you know one night you go well, let me try it this way let me try it that way because you're kind of in control and you're doing the movies it more difficult to do that? Do you have to kind of stay locked into your script a little bit more, or do you still feel that freedom to move things around? Um, there's there's a good bit of uh, both. The answer to that is both. Uh, we'll do takes with, uh, I know i got to hit certain jokes that uh, pass into the next scene, so we'll make sure that we do kind of a scene, but uh, and then let people sort of fool around a little bit more too and just uh, experiment. Okay. I've got some flexibility, but I do kind of know where I want to go. And, uh, you know, having written and read 
you know, countless books about screenwriting and everything else. Um, I know at least you want to set up the joke, but of course, ultimately, you have to edit a film, so that's where your payoff's going to be. So yeah. I kind of have been coming at it from going, okay, well, this is, we can edit totally this. And then, of course, there's discovery and editing as well. So uh, letting people kind of fool around with performances is great. Uh, and then I try to get the takes. Because it's a uh, ultra low budget, uh, and I went to this Directors Guild uh, meeting, they go, you can have three, there's three things, time, money, and quality, pick two. So uh, I have time and I have uh, what I think is quality. So uh, I don't have a lot of money, which is why I'm doing Indiegogo, but I have the luxury of time. So having the luxury of time allows me to set up so maybe I film once a week, which is uh, okay. uh, so I'm not pressured, you know, with some money person behind me going, "Come on, you're burning daylight," you know. Yeah. So uh, that is certainly it's a problem and a luxury at the same time. Which uh, yeah, I mean, is there a danger of sort of losing the losing the stride or losing the thread doing a day a day a week, as opposed to being able to say, "I'm going to shoot for five days and I'm really going to get into this thing," and then you know. It, there is that danger, but I feel uh, both of my main actors are going to be in town for a while, so that's good. Uh, all the other characters are kind of in and out of town, so I adjust to that. And since I'm always in town, or mostly in town, um, I have a lot of time to be flexible and work things. My crew is great, because they're pretty much in town too, so... Um, I've gone through a couple camera guys. I started out with one camera guy, and then he uh, had to go to L.A. to get a job. And then my other camera guy, who was great, uh, he went to L.A. for a job. Oh, wow. Uh, now, have you noticed any difference in terms of what sort of footage you're getting from the two different people? Or is it close enough? That it's close enough. They're all uh, using similar cameras. And then my friend John Shank, who is a documentary filmmaker, gave me a couple of days of filming in exchange for some work and uh, he's just so awesome. Okay. I mean, he did Lost Boys of Sudan and uh, um, the Hitler art movie, uh, what's the name of it? And then he just came out with The Island President about uh, global uh, warming and sea level rise where he hung out with the president of the Maldives for oh, really? months. He said, we're like buddies. And then like three weeks before the movie comes out, there's a coup and he gets booted. So, wow. Um, but he's a great camera guy. He did the, um, he did the documentary for Lucas's uh, Star Wars episode oh, okay. one, I guess, the okay. number four in this. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, he's, he's a really good. So his stuff... I mean, he's a one-man band with the lights, and just he gave me such incredible stuff. But the other guys are good, and um, I think we did all interiors with John, so he was awesome. Like his light, the light on it was awesome. And then a lot of the other stuff we do, exterior stuff. So we're just grabbing kind of uh, good lights, and the cameras that the guys have, um, you know, the technology is pretty awesome. Yeah. So you can definitely get a look of a movie. Although I, as I look at movies, I see where, you know, oh, that's a little out of focus, but they're like, hey, that's the take we got to use or whatever. So there's, as much as you want to make a perfect product, uh, I'm not a maniac perfectionist either. So I feel that uh, 
if you get the visual right and the joke right, that you're and at least the plot line continues your. Uh, at this stage of the game, I feel that uh, it's it's not it's not good enough. It's good, so yeah. it's like, hey, let's go for it. We're going for the best as, that we can do. But sure. uh, it is going to be a feature-length comedy on a low budget. So uh, I have a I have a couple of people. Some of them I think you know um, that have done. Um, comedies in the last couple of years, and they they both used, the people I'm thinking of have used Kickstarter, which is, I, I think the, the fall down between Kickstarter and Indiegogo is Indiegogo, you at least get whatever money comes in, as opposed to Kickstarter, which is if you don't hit your goal, you don't get anything. And that's why I went with Indiegogo, because I knew that uh, it was it's almost impossible to raise funds uh, unless you're super organized with all that stuff, and I, I'm not... Thank you. We've just been brought the yes uh, soup and the soup. Uh, calamari. For any of our listeners, uh, <laughs> I recommend Dragonwell on Chestnut Street. It does have the killer calamari and fantastic wonton noodle soup. And because we've given them the plug, I'm sure dinner is going to be on the house, which is fantastic. At least we have our running shoes on. I have access to some killer locations. You know, I mean, all I do is drive around the city and location scout. So. <laughs> Uh, and now you're a San Francisco native, aren't you? I am. So you know the city very well as it is. What is so? So when you're location scouting, are you finding places that even though you've spent your life here, you've never kind of seen or looked at before, or maybe you were aware of it but never really kind of poked your nose in there? Well, definitely when you're starting to look up, oh, this could be a great place for this scene. Um, I was just out at um, on Palou Street. Uh, above All Hollows Church, and I was going, holy smokes, the, I've never stood on the street corner and looked, you know, back on the city, and you see, like, all the industrialness of it, and, you know, and I was going, oh, uh, you know, now that I'm starting to see it framed in the, the yeah. filmmaker movement, I see, oh, we've got the freeway over here moving on the right, or the left side of the screen, and you have this city out there and then over on the right we got these ships on the bay so it's like and they're kind of you know there's movement over there and then there's uh, telephone wires crossing it and it's like oh wow this is uh, this is a great spot so yeah I'm discovering a lot of stuff with a new uh, artistic eye as well as finding uh, like we filmed these uh, we filmed a scene at night the Caltrans tracks on Quinn Street, and I'd never been to Quinn Street, but it's super industrial, and uh, we filmed it at night with the train zipping by. You know, oh, yeah, like, yeah. It, it was really fun. It's it's on the trailer, uh, uh, but it was really cool because it was like a Sunday night, and I uh, went down with my friend, and so we were, uh, you know, his girlfriend, uh, Gretchen's up on the tracks going, it's coming, it's coming, so, you know, we, oh, we, we totally grabbed the this cool shot of, uh, you know, if we were a major film company, we'd have to, you know, hire the train to go by and mm -hmm. all that stuff. But we were just grabbing it for what it was. And that's sort of what you have to do. Uh, I mean, you guys have to be shooting guerrilla style, I'm assuming, right? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I looked at just getting a uh, permit for some filming in the, the hoops and the gobbledygook and all the things you had to fill out. I was like, oh my god, this is, what a pain in the butt. I mean, 
if I really needed to get into some, you know, uh, city hall, city hall or something, or, or like, you know, you look at Clint Eastwood, he gets into the Hall of Justice, right? You know, but he's Clint Eastwood, you know, yeah. So, uh, so it's like we're just faking that, uh, but like we filmed inside of uh, four fourteen Mason Street to make it even be the uh, inside of the Hall of Justice. Okay. And then we just we're just gonna have Johnny Steele and Reggie Steele walk out of the Hall of Justice, Justice for sure. and then just you know. Uh, and I was looking at um, San Francisco, good San Francisco movie yeah. Zodiac. And they filmed the interior of the Hall of Justice. Yeah. I think in the AAA building on Van Essen Hayes, which is no longer right. No, you need a location you can control if you're going to be doing a lot of scenes. So yeah. even if they obviously they could afford the Hall of Justice, but they can't control the environment. No. You know, unless they went in at three in the morning. Yeah. Or it's, it's pretty desolate on uh, the weekends, I think. But still, yeah. in fact. My old neighbor across the street was a cop, and he was riding up the elevator one Saturday morning, and Clint Eastwood was there filming one of the Dirty Harrys. This was a long time ago, but uh, and he said he was in it. Uh, there's Clint Eastwood, and then there's some little short guy who's just bending his ear, and this guy who's a cop, and he looks just like an Irish cop uh, would look. And uh, as he gets off the elevator, he, he turns to Clint Eastwood, and he's going, and Callahan, I don't want you coming in late again. And got a huge laugh out of uh, Clint Eastwood, you know. Funny. It was funny, so. That's great. My dad worked the Hall of Justice. I mean, he, remember, he met Steve uh, McQueen when oh, he was cool. filming Bullets, so that was way back then. That's so, great. So, yeah, you have to just figure out stuff, and uh, so you raise money, but if you can not do location fees or anything. Uh, and we paid, you know, uh, film inside of a building which was cool because it was like okay we're going to be here for several times and they were cool they were great about it and the building was so beautiful inside so. that's great so how much are you looking to raise through your indiegogo campaign well i put fifty thousand dollars just as a high in the sky number but i figured why not shoot for that because i already put in twenty thousand twenty two thousand dollars of my own money and I'm getting close to halfway finished. But I figured with promotion and uh, a bunch of other stuff and uh, post-production, oh, yeah. post that's going to go eat away. But of course, uh, whatever is going to serve the film is going to serve it. So, I mean, I'm sure I'll reach a point uh, where, you know, it's like, oh, I don't have money to do this, so uh, i got to do something. But that's been fine, too. I mean. I sold a painting. Uh, Have you done any uh, product placement in the movie? Not that product placement pays you anything, but yeah. product placement is a great way to get cars and things like that for production, depending if you can make deals, you know, with either a, a local car dealership. Or, you know, well, I, well, I have been putting my card on. I've been meeting people with nice looking cars, like strange, cool cars. Uh -huh. In fact, I just ran into my uh, neighbor, Justin, who we filmed the scene with his 68 Lincoln Continental that's black. And nice. so. It's awesome with the doors that open up, uh, their suicide doors or whatever you call them. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we, we just cruised around in that. So more of that than any real product placement. But, uh, just I'm reminded from, you know, I've written several TV movies for Hallmark Channel. And at the outset of each of those projects, 
other than the first one that was written basically on spec as a feature film that they ended up buying. The other movies I did for them, they basically, I pitched them and then they paid me to write them. They gave me these giant binders that had all of their product placement deals. So if you can work any of these in there, you know, we'll get, you know, free Cokes for the, for, you know, the craft services and for jackets and things like that, these different things. So I pour through it. I, I, you know, there's a sort of a controversy with the WGA in terms of doing product placements. Like, well, why are you going to sell out? And I go, in my mind, you can kind of use it to your advantage. I mean, your guy, you know, your hero drinks Heineken instead of Coors because of a particular reason, right? I mean, so why not get the Heineken for, for nothing? Exactly, exactly. And I'm not at that stage uh, yet in uh, this. This is my first feature length film, so I have a yeah. lot of my learning curve is steep. But, sure. And I'm much more of a person who uh, is like, well, I'll make it. You know, so I, I make the props and like today, um, in our in our story, we also have uh, the reason the bodies are turning up in the movie is because people are drinking this new drink marketed by the pharmaceutical company, which is a dangerous thing that's very addictive. It's like uh, okay, it's like crack, crack in a can. Well, it's like cracking Viagra in a can. Mm. Uh, so and uh, so people are turning up. So I've been making. So I made this whole. Uh, campaign I've made all these various uh, logos and uh, advertisements as well as making the drink itself so I've come up with this red can with this blue face or blue uh, circle on it with a silhouette of a face uh, having like some sort of painful <laughs> static look on his face and so what's the product called do you have a name that's the thing. It's its street name is Crazy Cola, but okay. The whole campaign, which we filmed, uh, we filmed a commercial with Bob Rubin playing the spokesman. Oh, funny! And uh, <laughs> I made up this thing like like Prince's name. It's un it's unpronounceable. So it's just a symbol. It's this long symbol thing, and the whole campaign of it is you can't pronounce its name until you take the first sip. And then, of course, it all comes crashing down on you. But that was the whole idea. It was, uh, which came from a, this goofy idea that I had from a long time ago. But started putting it together. And as, as in any artistic endeavor, as everyone knows, once you start, all these things start to sort of gravitate towards it. You know, and you're like, oh, I could, I could use that thing that I have in a box there for ten years or something. You know, so yeah. a lot of times stuff comes together. So, I'm more into I'll make it um, than uh, I'll try to get something. I did. Um, I did send a couple of emails to um, the uh, a couple of companies to try to see if uh, they wanted to do some stuff. Uh, good vibrations. Okay. Because <laughs> for those of you who don't live in San Francisco, Good Vibrations is a um, adult toy store. Let's just say. Very organically uh, based. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a great store. Like it they is, go yeah. in, they're like, "Oh, well, this is a very knowledgeable staff." It's like it's not like the uh, the creepy, yeah. uh, slinky, uh, sleazy place you would. Oh, you'd want to bring the kids there. You almost want to bring the kids in, but it's very, uh, very friendly and takes uh, it takes the shame out of sex. <laughs> it's basically how they are. But that's funny. I wanted this. Uh, couple to be, uh, I did a knockoff painting of Grant Wood's 
painting, the famous one with the farmer and his wife. There, oh, yeah, yeah. The American, American Gothic. Gothic. So I did a knockoff. And so what I wanted to do was have this couple that looked like the American Gothic couple, uh, but they're coming out of the sex shop with loaded down with the big bags of stuff. Yeah. And they have a brief moment uh, encounter with uh, the guy, my, the character I'm playing, the hunter who's oh, okay. uh, hunting me. So he comes in and they, they approach him. And then uh, he, he does, and because the hunter doesn't say anything, he's a mute. Uh, the guy thinks he's rude and calls him a son of a, and then that's like an edited point. And then you would cut to a thing where someone would say bitch in another scene that had nothing to do with it, but you would still sort of get the joke of this yeah. thing. And so that's what I'm trying to do is, uh, with the film as well is use no profanity other than to suggest it. And that's kind of a good rule of comedy anyway, to try to get your set as funny as you can without any profanity. Good point. Should be should be a rule for podcasters as well. Some of these sons of why I but to me I think the film would uh, because I have a son who's five and he's accompanied me on several oh. shoots and everything else and he's right there with me um, doing this. It's kind of funny to uh, say, oh, you know, I can make a very funny film that's, you know, uh, kooky and wacky, but doesn't have swearing in it, so that at least your kids can see it. Yeah. Your kids can hear it, too. So, there's... What does he think of the process, stuff he's seen? I mean... Well, he's very... He's, he's enjoying it, so he's, he's always talking about what he's going to do in his film, and, oh, I'm going to use this in my film, so he's right there with me. It's, but we were filming about six or seven weeks ago a scene where this really tall guy, 6'9", this guy, Brian Lincoln, is walking down the street with an axe. And uh, Reggie Steele's driving up this alleyway, and he's on the phone saying, all right, well, we've got a killer loose, but where do we find this guy? And this big guy with the axe is walking down the street. And then the joke is that he sees a couple other guys with axes and beards, and they're underneath a Lumberjacks Anonymous sign, and they're waving, and Reggie drives by. And so we got three guys there, Brian, 6'9", with a beard, looks insane and crazy with his big axe. And then this other guy, Tim, with a chainsaw, another guy, Lou, who's got an axe, and they've got beards. And uh, so we're filming it. Well, all of a sudden, three cop cars come screeching in. Uh, they jump out. The guy's racking the shotgun to, to you know, shoot the beanbags at us. And uh, we're like, oh, we're just doing a movie here. But it was... Uh, Ty didn't have school that day, so he's right there with me. So, as he's recounting what happened, he goes, well, when the police came, I just put my hands up. So, <laughs> it was very funny. Uh, and one of these, and then there were, the cops were great. I mean, San Francisco cops are great. Uh, they put up with a lot of stuff and have to be very tolerant, yeah. you know. Uh, and of course, uh, uh, seen a bunch of guys with axes in, a, in an alleyway, uh, you know, and it's not like we have lights and, and all yeah. these trucks or anything, it's just a camera, you know, and there's small cameras, it's not like we're shooting with these gigantic... Panaflex. Yeah, we're not a Panaflex thing. <laughs> Craning in or something like that. But that was funny, so he's seen uh, a lot of the filmmaking and uh, just various parts of it, so I, I think it's a fantastic education for him. Uh, so, what are some of the uh, 
the perks people can get for uh, for kicking into the Indiegogo campaign? Are there any uh, sort of interesting things you're offering people? Well, we're offering people, uh, you know, a copy of the movie, uh, hats and shirts like people normally get. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I don't have the full breakdown with me, but if someone wants to give a little more dough, we would actually put them in the movie, you know, like whipping out a gun or screaming or being a monster victim. Yeah. Or I think what we said, if you wanted to give us a lot of money, we would carry you across the screen <laughs> chanting your name with uh, as, as, as a deity, which, you know, I'm totally up for that. If anyone wants to drop a, a bundle of cash, we will... We'll write you in the script. Nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's the basic stuff for uh, acknowledgement credits on the film, uh, uh, which uh, I think is the basic thing that you get people, you know, certainly, uh, and I try to write personal thank you notes to the people that gave money to me just out of the, yeah. off the bat, outside of Indiegogo, which was unbelievable generous people. Um, my friend John Harden, who's also trying to raise money for his his film, uh, he goes fundraising is it's part begging and part bragging, which is is the most horrible part. You know, you have to sort of yeah. Uh, but regardless of how much money we raise, I know I'm going to finish this film and make it and make it into a solid comedy film. It's going to be loaded with a bunch of very funny people, a lot of San Francisco comedians. You talk about some of the cast. You've mentioned a number of them so far, but the great groups, uh, great groups came in. Uh, I just talked to Dana Gould today. He said he was on board to do some stuff. Michael Pritchard plays the police chief. Um, Hector Rodriguez, who's a younger comic, uh, played with Pritchard as sort of his sidekick, and they were hilarious. Oh, funny! And they're very. You know, it's probably two foot difference between two of them, so it was, it was very funny, but they just hit it off naturally. Um, uh, Reed Rallman, who's also a sketch player, he plays, uh, he's actually, he plays what I really want to say in the movie, and he pops out of the bushes and always, uh, or he pops out of, uh, he pops out of the bushes in a leaf suit that I've made, and talks about how, uh, you know, the, the doomsayer, and or I made this uh, suit and this wall of graffiti, so he peels off this wall of graffiti, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna have him come up out of the water in a scuba outfit, and uh, also have a jetpack on, and he's gonna be leaving the planet. Oh, but, but he keeps when the Boy Scout uh, walks, who's hunting the monster to get his scat badge? <laughs> That's how he finds the monster is he's getting his scat badge, and he notices that there's these weird piles of. Uh, dung that are purple and there's flowers coming out of them and it's, it's weird so he's tracking the monster and then eventually he'll find the monster uh, uh, like around the spoiler alert spoiler alert uh, yes <laughs> after the first act uh, he'll find the monster and befriend him and the monster of course is an over the hill monster who's uh, on his last leg so he's just been scavenging on the bodies it's it's a bit like, um, I think the best way to put the movie, it's kind of, if, uh, it's sort of uh, Naked Gun as done by Fellini with a monster play to it. Okay. So, kind of that film uh, thing. 
I mean, I love Fellini just because he. Every if you look at a Fellini film, people show up on film for two seconds and they're memorable, and then they disappear. You never see them again. But yeah, it's very uh, interesting and just kind of flows along. It's uh, they still hold up for anybody out there who hasn't seen a Fellini film. Uh, Who are your other influences when it comes to trying to trying to bring your your vision to the screen besides Fellini? Ridley Scott is a fantastic filmmaker. I mean, his list of stuff that he's made is huge. Blade Runner, uh, Alien, uh, Black Hawk Down. But his first movie, which not that many people have seen, is called The Duelist, with Harvey Keitel and David and Keith Carradine. And it's brilliant. And he made it for less than a million bucks. But he captures the whole thing, uh, these two guys are officers in Napoleon's army, and they have a, a they start dueling. Harvey Keitel plays the hothead, and Carradine plays the general's uh, aide that's just telling Harvey Keitel that he's, uh, you know, got to stay in quarters, and Keitel takes the knife. Well, they suggest that these guys are conquering the world with Napoleon through just unbelievable uh, suggestions of... Uh, stuff in the scenes where these beautiful scenes where there's not you, every, don't, you don't see armies you don't see you don't see the armies but you <laughs> see them in a tent with a couple guys with horses behind them and a couple other guys lounging around I mean these soldiers in camp so they're gambling there's a couple of loose women floating by there's a bunch of uniforms hanging out and stuff like that but it's brilliant filmmaking so yeah I mean in fact I watch that with my son all the time and you know, great movie, no swearing, and uh, there's swordplay, tons of swordplay, uh, right up there with uh, The Princess Bride for a okay. great swordplay, I would recommend it, uh, and then there's a bit of blood in it, but we talk about that, we, my son and I, we make the fake blood, it's like, okay, you get the hero syrup with the guy, and uh, it's like, oh, that's, yeah, uh, he just has the fake blood on him, so, you know, even as a five-year-old. Now, let me ask you this. This was, uh, I had to use some fake blood for a thing I was shooting, and a friend of mine thought, Hollywood makeup person. And she told me the secret for getting out fake blood is that you mix a tiny bit of dishwasher detergent with the blood. Excellent. I will take that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and it works like a charm. It's unbelievable. It just lifts it right out when you throw it in the washing machine. Uh, of course, you can't eat the fake blood at that point, but that's okay. get that anyway. And so it's the liquid, the liquid. Yeah, just a little tiny, like Dawn or any of those things. I, I will. That's a beautiful suggestion. Yeah, just a little bit. You don't need very much. Yeah. Otherwise, it gets soapy anyway, so you don't want it. Well, how, what's the um, what's the easiest way to somebody to get to uh, to your campaign on the Indiegogo site? Um, I've got a website, Hey Monster, Hands Off My City. Dot com. Dot com, yes. Okay. Uh, hey Monster, hands off my city, dot com. And it's got the Indiegogo thing there. And then okay. At Indiegogo, if you go to Indiegogo, it's also Hey Monster, and I've got a video there that we shot uh, sort of explaining this stuff. All right, and I will put a link up. I uh, Every time I do an episode of my podcast uh, on my home site, there's a, a blog that tells everything that's on the show. So I'll put a little, uh, there's an ad space over on the right-hand column, so I'll, I'll grab uh, the Indiegogo graphic and I'll uh, give you a little uh, 
link there so people can get to you. Thank you, Mark. That's awesome. Absolutely. Good luck with the, good luck with the project. Well, thank you very much. It's a lot of fun. So uh, well, we will have you back on Succotash to talk more about all sorts of things. How you gave my improv group its name. What? Etc. Uh, Etc. Et but in the meantime, we're going to eat our Chinese food. And uh, good luck with the movie. Thank you so much, Mark. A real pleasure. Hey, monster! Hands off my city. It looks like a pretty fun project. Check out the teaser trailer up on SuccotashShow.com and click on the Indiegogo link in the right-hand column on our blog page. And you can take that 500 bucks that you were about to give to Suckatash, and I'll tell you what. Instead, I insist you split it with Michael Meehan and me and give him 250 bucks, and I'll take the rest. It's time for our burst o durst our ambassador to the middle, Will Durst, this time goes off on a group of politicos that he refers to as the Batty Battalion. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the entire Washington punditry clinging to the theory that President Obama's second term agenda has terminally stalled. That he's such a lame duck, the presidential limousine should have a blue placard hanging from the rearview mirror. That he should just give up and crawl into the overhead compartment of Air Force One. Already, three and a half months in with 44 and a half left to go. Jeez, I'd hate to go to a baseball game with these guys. They'd probably leave after the first inning. Must be Dodger fans. You know, it takes a reckless kind of myopia to come to these conclusions. You'd have to be blind as a bat to ignore the criminally recalcitrant House majority, including leader John Boehner, who would rather be seen washing skidmark undies in a congressional hallway water fountain than work with the president. You'd need to be wearing sunglasses cut from slabs of granite to fail to see the GOP defy the will of 90% of America to serve their masters in the NRA. Have your hoodie on backwards to not be aware of both sides of the aisle concerned with one thing and one thing only re-election. So let's say the commentators are right, that the kid from Kenya has wasted what little political capital his November election earned. So what does he do now? Take up gardening? Start on his third book of memoirs? Engage in some Hawaiian location scouting for a presidential library site? Establish residency so Michelle can run for senator? Spend some time in the White House basement bowling alley to get his average up for the ex-president's league. Canvas talent agencies for potential 2017 speaking engagements. Because face it, right now his presidency is over. Yeah, as a matter of fact, few folks are probably calling Hillary Clinton's upcoming first term a complete failure as well. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Get more of his brand of laughs at willdurst.com, and you can read his tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. He's also got his new one-man show that's just opened in San Francisco on Tuesday nights at the Marsh Theater, and I'll have more information about that in the next podcast. And uh, as usual, I will try and get Mr. Durst in front of the microphone in the studio so we can actually have an interview with him. Wouldn't that be a delight? Well, everybody, we got through another one. Epi 59 is hereby history. Remember, special edition Epi 59.5 featuring my informal chat with Chill Pack Hollywood Hours, Phil Lairness, will be coming up in just a few days. Plenty of time, incidentally, for you to get around to passing the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. 
Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show, email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com, or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carby. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye. Hi, um, we are back from the cornfield and we have our fresh corn cooked and all I'm going to do is take this corn off of the cob and we're going to make a southwestern style succotash. Very delicious, tasty, tasty dish. If you can look inside here, what I've done is I've diced up red peppers, purple onions, one, uh, zucchini, and I have even amounts of everything, zucchini and fresh corn. And all I'm going to do is take this over to our pan that I have heating right now. Uh, we tend to like to use flavored oil, so I put a little chili oil in the pan just to heat it up. Olive oil is, we use olive oil in everything. We use it in uh, baking, we use it in sauteing and we like to saute everything. All I'm going to do is put this into the pan. It's only going to take a couple minutes. It's a very easy dish to make and delicious. My family loves it. And that corn that we got today was absolutely delicious and sweet. It's really, really good. All we're going to do is throw this around a little bit. I'm going to be cooking if I want to make it a little mess. I'm going to turn this on high heat. It looks like it has enough oil. If you like it a little hotter, you can just add a little more oil to that. I'm going to reach over here. And this is a seasoning mix that we like. It has um, dried parsley. And you can use fresh, but in this dish, I really prefer to use dried ingredients. It has garlic minced onion, paprika, so it's a little on the spicy side, and I like to use a good amount on that because we tend to like our food on the, on the spicier side. Um, seasonings gives, can give your food a lot, of, a lot of flavor without all of the fat. So all we're going to do is saute this over high heat, and it'll take one to two minutes to cook. And I tend to like it a little brown. And you just keep shaking the pan around so it doesn't stick. A couple minutes. Now after, after this is cooked for a couple of minutes, then all you're going to do is whatever salsa that you like, that you prefer. Um, sometimes we can make our own salsa. If not, it's it's... You can find it at the grocery store that, that's healthy. And all we're going to do is put salsa right in with that. We're going to mix it up. Mix it even a little spicier. Let that cook for just a couple of minutes. 
over the high heat. And it's done. You bring it over, create our dish. So many different flavors in this dish. And you can put other things in it. Uh, normally, succotash, you would think of it with um, beans, lima beans, or other kinds of beans, but this is a southwestern style. Stir it up. You can garnish that and take it to a picnic or just keep it. We tend to keep it in the refrigerator because we have a lot of um, good ingredients in here and it's very healthy for you. So it's another healthy meal from the Wellness Partners.